Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Relatively. The podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. Uh, I don't like either of us, to be honest, from this conversation. <laughs> I, <laughs> either way, I don't care. It's like two pigeons scrapping over an old chip. I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. In this episode, we're talking to Anna Whitehouse, a.k.a. Mother Pucker, I am the older sister of Karen, who is the founder of Who Shat on the Floor at My Wedding podcast. That just rolls off the tongue. And her little sister, Karen Whitehouse, a.k.a. Auntie Daz. Hello, Auntie Daz. I have taken on the role as my sister's life producer, probably from the age of around 12. She's like the yin to my yang and vice versa. So, yeah. Together, we're siblings. But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. My sister saw the darkness when a lot of people only saw the light. And I think it takes someone who knows you so well to see the veneer, to see the polish that you're putting out to hide what's truly going on. She referred to me as Princess Kindheart, which is ridiculous. <laughs> And that really irritated my sister. I think just... (laughs) There's a lot to unpack after all these years. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Anna and Karen grew up in the middle of nowhere and can't fault the childhood given to them by their Dutch mother and attentive father. Later in life, they were almost neighbours in Amsterdam, which they both remember as a magical time. We talk about that, about special bedtime songs and postnatal depression. But Anna started with Karen's arrival and described the tetchy years of sisterly bickering which followed. I think for a couple of weeks it was good, you know, because it was like, okay, this is a new toy to play with. This is great. But I don't think I really understood, I was five at the time, the permanence of the situation. I sort of felt a little bit like perhaps a year or so. Tops. um, (laughs) Tops, you know. I thought we'd have the dog longer than the sister. I think just I was very unsure of uh, what this older sister was until around the the age of 11. Because it's just that age gap, which is, you know, you can't really compete, but you try anyway. There was a point where I pinched her. I managed to crowbar my hand into the cot and I pinched her uh, bum till she cried and I have that as a resounding memory because the look she gave me was just like okay this means war you've opened Pandora's box this is us now and I think a lot of trust was lost in that moment I I sort of took my frustrations out in her by using the only weapon I had in my arsenal which was I look young and innocent and I can really play on that in a manipulative way. She was very, very good at creating the drama and then crying wolf. So I would run up to my sister, kick her as hard as I possibly could in the shins and then run to mummy and go, Anna just kicked me in the shins and put on a really good display of emotion and, and hurt. 
and then I get told off. That was just on repeat, and that is a wearing cycle. And Anna would be banished to her room, and I would just, I would sneak over and just peer in, looking at her. I'd just be like, hi. (laughs) So yeah, I think that didn't help. (laughs) Well, and also two, two children, same gender, that can be quite intense. It's just one relationship. It is, but I've never really seen it as that because I've always been the tomboy and Anna was always the ballerina, very prettily turned out, loved wearing dresses. Whereas I would have my hair sticking up everywhere, (laughs) rolling around in the mud, trying to catch worms in the garden. I was a little bit more sensible. I had my bedroom was always tidy. I had my ducks in a row. Uh, Karen was always a bit more all over the place. How do you think your mum would have described you two as children did she ascribe roles to you did she recognize that Anna was the organized one and you were bringing up the rear with twigs in your hairdo Anna's going to kill me for saying this and bringing it up but uh, my mum has a it sounds a little bit unfair but it totally wasn't in (laughs) in the time but she referred to me as princess kind heart which is ridiculous (laughs) and actually really embarrassing to bring this up and that really irritated my sister I think just um my sister's (laughs) I just think so much therapy right there (laughs) so much there's a lot to unpack after all these years I think Anna's just um she's she's a natural born thespian and in the best way possible she just captures attention and I think growing up was it was easy to be overshadowed by her sort of boisterous and very charismatic personality mm-hmm. and I think maybe my mother was just trying to boost my confidence with the princess kind heart title. There was a point where I remember saying to my mum I think you love Karen more than me and I think every sibling has that moment mm-hmm. where you just feel like the love isn't equal. Do you think that was because maybe your mum called your little sister princess Kindheart? yeah wow that's a blast from the past she used to um sing songs I don't think Karen told you and she would sing this song my little angel I hope you will sleep and dream about those wonderful things like going to Milton Keynes and buying a HB pencil (laughs) you remember how it goes go on Kaz oh do we really need to bring out the singing voices my little, little angel, angel, I hope you will stop. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you will sleep and dream about the lovely things like riding butterfly, who was a pony, and eating Pizza Express. <laughs> yeah, it was really creepy. We're not a family of singers. I think that is very clear. I think the low point was when her and her best friend wrote a poem about me. Uh, I don't think she's mentioned this. She has uh, not. Okay, her friend and her knew I was going through a slightly tough time. I was hitting puberty, my hamster just died, and um, <laughs> like it was. You should see Anna in the morning. Her hair is appalling. She's a dumpling on two legs. But I remember just thinking, that's it. She said, age twelve, you took a holiday to Mallorca, and it was there that she something happened. You got on, and there was some sort of realisation that it would be better if you got on. And she said she, from that moment on, became your life producer. Wow. I mean, that. yeah, I've, I've never heard her refer to herself as that. I uh, wasn't aware that was the role. I thought it was quite an equal partnership. Um, but, yeah, I think there was a real 
turning point on that holiday. Neither of us were that popular at school. We had one or two friends. I had a head brace. Karen was quite gangly. Um, <laughs> we weren't the cool girls. I remember we sort of just looked around maybe on that holiday and just thought, oh, I think this is it. <laughs> I think this is all we've got. And I think weirdly in that moment, the confidence we gave each other in just liking each other and sitting side by side, I think gave us the confidence to then go and make more friends. We sort of stopped eyeing each other as rivals. And I think we thought, actually, we're stuck together and this could be a good thing. We could get on. What do you mean you're her life producer? Uh, well, my sister is probably the disorganised one. She might turn up late to things, but she is always worth the wait. Whereas I'm sort of behind the scenes, usually scurrying around, <laughs> making sure she tries to turn up to things on time. And we just work quite well together. She's like the yin to my yang and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I, I didn't, wasn't aware that that was what you'd been doing, uh, Kaz. Um, I mean, like... <laughs> I feel like I've got things together this end. I mean, I've got two children here. Have you? Well, what have you done for me? I think me? it's just the general, you know, in terms of how we approach life. As you actually said yesterday, um, I'm just more comfortable in the Excel spreadsheet environment of organising things. And you kind of fall under the organising things remit of my role as younger sister. Make sure it all works. What you're saying is that I'm front of house and uh, you're a back office. Pretty much. And I'm actually pretty happy with that arrangement. So how would you describe her? You said that she's funny and she's described herself as slightly more behind the scenes in her role as your life producer. But how would you describe her character? She's the single most thoughtful, caring person I think I've ever come across. She has countless endless patience with those she loves we do have prangs along the way 100 percent. but um i'm yet to find somebody in my life who is as giving and caring and supportive behind the scenes she's not one for the all singing all dancing show up front she is the person that is there for you 24 7 when you need it she is also incredibly funny, funnier than I am. That's always been a bone of contention because I always <laughs> used to want to be the funny one and I try to be funny, but I'm just not naturally funny like she is. <laughs> and so growing up and becoming adults, did that friendship waver? I think the toughest time for me was when my sister moved to university. Um, she was by that time really my best friend and we were just such a team and to just to suddenly have her leave was just like uh, I had a limb severed from my body it was really um, there was nothing that could prepare me for it. I think it must be a bizarre moment when you've been thick as thieves like that and then you become a de facto only child for five years and the dynamics in the family must all shift it must be very quiet all of a sudden and I don't think people talk about that very much. No, because you hear a lot about sort of empty nesters and the empty nest syndrome from the parental perspective, but you never hear about it from the sibling perspective. 
There were obviously pluses. She got so much more attention from my mum and dad. You know, it wasn't all bad. Maybe more songs at bedtime. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, she could just hear my parents slagging me off behind the <laughs> scenes as they sort of had to transfer more money because, you know, run out and it was pretending it was all on law books when really it was uh, on RG1s and um, a two for one deal on apple sour shots. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it is hard and I think it is underestimated how hard it is for the one left behind. We've always, we're always there for each other and it's like we could not speak for many, many months and then we'll pick up the phone. It will be just incredible. But we, my sister moved to Amsterdam, actually, which is why I am currently living in Amsterdam. Um, not that I followed her or I'd never I was just going to say... <laughs> Don't leave me again. No, exactly. I will. I will move abroad. Um, sounds really desperate, doesn't it? God, <laughs> it was just an amazing. It's very rare, I think, to to live mm. live that close to your sister and or to experience we, everything in tandem is amazing. Incredible. We lived genuinely within a stone's throw of each other. We would go running in the morning. I would always walk the dog, stop off at hers, have a coffee, have a catch up, find out who she'd slept with, (laughs) who she hadn't slept with, who was breaking her heart. I was living the sort of dull life of somebody who was pregnant and not being able to do much, sort of leeching off her young, free and single life. And I think because we had just that natural contact every day, almost for the best part of four years, um, where it's not planned, where it's not dinner, where it's not a agreed Skype call. It was the single most magical time. Uh, gay bit teary. <laughs> I miss it so much. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I miss her so much. And I miss that closeness because, again, it's like... I feel like I've not left her behind, but I feel left behind almost this time round with her still living in Amsterdam and us living in London. It feels like she said, um, part of me is missing. I'm missing a limb and there's no amount of Skype calls or chats that can paper over that. I think it's funny as well, isn't it? We're brought up, or some people are brought up, a lot of us are brought up, to sort of equate success with, you know, off you go, maybe sixth form, maybe university, fly, fly the nest, you sort of go far away, seek it out. And then you get to a certain point in midlife and what might be happier might be to live much closer to our families and have that casual popping in texture to our lives. And it's counter to sort of, what we're told to do a lot of the time. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's almost like, what are you chasing? Karen and I have always been very good at calling each other out on what are you trying to achieve with this? Because success, like you say, it's not big houses, fast cars, red-soled shoes. You know, it's, (laughs) um, it's actually the humans that you surround yourself with. And I think that... You can get caught up in what you think you need. And actually, the happiest I think I've ever been has been 
being in close proximity to Karen and obviously my husband. Uh, he's in this too, um, you know, but he's he can't escape now, really. Uh, we're no. in too deep, whereas um, she can still go and do her thing. And I've been on a campaign to get her to move to London for so long. <laughs> I'm hoping this is the final push. When she hears how sad I am, hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah. she'll come. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So when you were in Amsterdam, you, you made her an auntie as well. Yes. My eldest daughter was born in June 2013. I was called Auntie Daz because her kid couldn't pronounce Kaz. <laughs> I was there every day and became the closest we've ever become because it was very tough for her. And um, I was able to understand the sort of life stage, even though I wasn't a mother myself. It was just we went on the journey together your um, experience of motherhood, like so many people's experience of motherhood, isn't like perhaps you thought it might be, or how we all thought it might be. What was it like having a sister living so close to you to help you through the tricky bits? We went through recurrent miscarriage to have both of our girls. And I think nothing really prepares you for what it is to lose a little part of yourself, I think is a fair way to describe it. It was brutal at times because I think we've sort of set ourselves up for a fall. You just keep thinking, well, you know, I've, like you said, I've done my ABCs, I've done my GCSEs, I've done my A-levels, I've gone, got a job, got a boyfriend, uh, now let's crack on and have kids. And it just doesn't work like that. And I don't know how I didn't know it didn't work like that, but, you know, one in four navigate miscarriage. And I was um, definitely within that statistic. And... Having someone who knows you so well, who can simply sit in the hole with you when you're grieving, and it is grief, and simply say, it's shit and I'm here, instead of trying to help you process your grief by telling you how to do that. I got a lot of, um, at least you can get pregnant, you know, at least you've got one child, which was when we were trying for my second. At least this, at least that. And actually, you don't need that. You know, when you've broken one leg, you don't get someone saying, well, you know, at least you've got another. You Mm -hmm. let that leg repair, you let that leg heal and you check in on it and make sure they're okay. And that was really what having a sister did when we were going through it was she really sat in the hole with me. And it was the difference between empathy and sympathy, whereas sympathy would say at least empathy would 
crawl down into the hole and sit there and say, shit, I'm here. Here's a Jaffa cake and a cup of tea and a hug. Mm. I love you. And your sister has written about postnatal depression and things really movingly and incredibly helpfully for a lot of women. How was it helping her through postnatal depression? It's, I mean, it started from, I think she didn't realise it started from the first child. And I think when you talk about the, the toughest times in our relationship, that probably would have been the main one because um, she didn't realise it. And I think she didn't, she wasn't able to talk about it. So this was, even though she's a very open book, she didn't understand the feelings that she was experiencing. So we need each other so much. And it was the first time that she couldn't get my support because she couldn't really communicate what she was going through. She knew she knew before I did that something was wrong because she's like my mirror. And it got really bad at some points. And I uh, was hallucinating and I didn't know who I was where I was going I thought people were going to try and steal my child like it became it became something that was I wasn't in control of any of it I was completely out of control and yet I was still truly functioning I was almost two people I felt like Jekyll and Hyde and my sister saw the darkness when a lot of people only saw the light. Um, I think also mixed up with the very messy world of working in social media is extremely tough. It was extremely admirable why she set up Mother Pucker. I mean, I think it was to support those mothers who were lonely at 3am breastfeeding their, their babies and concerned about where their careers are going. And I think it was tough because she's so strong and she will offer her support, but she never really knows when to stop. She gives quite too much sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think opening herself up to that community, as wonderful as it was, it was quite draining because people, I think when they unburden the stresses and, you know, tough moments of motherhood um she just took that on like a sponge mm. Mm. and it's really hard right changing your identity as well being somebody who's seen as capable and setting something amazing up and encouraging debate and encouraging discussion to then sort of saying oh actually i'm finding this hard too it's not a black and white thing you're not fine or not fine everyone's a mixture of fine and not fine but that's a hard moment it is and I think she built up such an amazing brand as Mother Pucker and I think it was a new thing to her as well to understand where the line would be drawn of what people see on the Instagram squares versus what sometimes she was feeling and I, I think that is what she was so successful in doing and I was so proud of her for just being an honest representation of what motherhood was and I know um, you know she'd have the picture of her I know it's quite sounds quite crude but in a t-shirt where she'd lactated through it and she was like look I know it's not pretty I know this is not the photo you want to see of newborn cherubs smelling of roses in my arms you know whilst I'm acing life everywhere which like this is real picture of motherhood and she did it with such humor and such panache but yes it, it was tough I think to draw the line between what people see on the squares and started to expect from her versus how she was actually coping with her own sort of trials and tribulations of motherhood. Mm. 
And I think it takes someone who knows you so well to see the veneer, to see the polish that you're putting out to hide what's truly going on. And she helped me, she helped piece me back together. There's no doubt about it. She picked up pieces from afar across the English Channel. One phone call, one message, one um, encouraging, supporting moment of taking over some childcare that she could. Anything she could, she did. And I am forever grateful for having someone who knows me, my mind and how I operate as well as she does. The relationship I have built with my niece, we have got this bond that is so unbreakable and so special. And it's really down to the fact that I was there looking after her, babysitting her right from the time she was born. Just seeing Karen with her has been extraordinary. There is no relationship my daughter has that is closer than that with my sister, to the point where when Karen is over, pre-pandemic, she would say to me afterwards, my daughter, she'd be like, if you want, you can just leave me with Auntie Dad's. It's no problem whatsoever. As if to say, like, to be honest, I just prefer her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And actually, I see it, you know, like she gets to be the fun one, but she's also good at guiding her um, Mm. because she's obviously experienced what it is to be a younger sibling. And my eldest, obviously the older sibling. So she can see the other side of it and can help her navigate her own very fractious relationships with her sister because they are very much in the um, depths of um, (laughs) not getting on, let's say. Shin (laughs) kicking. My youngest woke my eldest up the other day just slinging a nappy in her face and she just uh, went, wake up now. And I was like, that is uh, a sibling wake up call if ever there was one. A used nappy? A used nappy, yeah. She just ripped it off her and just slapped it in her face. And I was like, yeah, that's where we were a few years ago. (laughs) Your lovely nickname, Princess Kindheart. Um, Did you have nicknames between the two of you, you guys? We actually had to sort of have an alignment call. <laughs> it's like Davos. <laughs> on, what was, yeah, I know, on what was too weird to include. Um, but the one that <laughs> my sister wanted us to bring up was AC. AC came from, it makes me cringe even saying this, but that um, I was Ace at first. She was like, let's call you Ace. And then I was like, but every, you know, Ace is boring. Maybe AC. And I can tell you that is Definitely not the case. But that is her story. And again, having five years on top of me, she tends to claim that she has the better memory on these things. It tied in with her calling me the wise one because I'd always have (laughs) an answer to her, which sounds like a really terrible uh, sort of faux Buddhist set of tapes that I'm trying to flog on eBay. Um, It sounds slightly smug, if you don't mind me saying that. Yeah, the wise one. And it was around the time when we got on better. And it was almost like she started going, well, you know, we need to feed her ego for us to get on. (laughs) Like ever the producer, the talent's got to be happy, right? The talent has to be happy. So we will just give her the moniker that she feels she deserves, even if it is complete bollocks. We also talked about nicknames. We agreed on AC, but then Anna threw a curveball in and included the nickname The Wise One, which she also ascribed to herself and said that you gave her, Karen, which I wonder what your reaction was. Well, have you you just noticed from what I said earlier, there's a bit of a theme here in the story behind these (laughs) nicknames. I think that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. There's been a bit of confusion over the years of who the wise one is, and we only recently um, sort of had a bit of an argument about it. 
Okay, well, I think either way, uh, I don't like either of us, to be honest, from this conversation. <laughs> I, <laughs> either way, I don't care. It's like two pigeons scrapping over an old chip in Trafalgar Square. Like, you can have it. It's not a good thing. That is the best analogy of our relationship I have ever heard. <laughs> Are we, are we? I think we've come. Oh, we come full circle. full circle. Wow! I feel like it's almost time to sing our rendition of the Lion King's "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," uh, where you know the different parts. I think we down. might have done enough singing, for, but you know, no, 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 no. Please, please. Once we start that, though, you know we can't stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, no, you start. I can see what's happening. What? And they don't have a clue. Who? They'll fall in love, and here's the bottom line: a trio's down to two. Oh. Yeah, I don't okay, I we didn't even need to get to the bumble way bit, no. Do you have any family expressions from when you were little, like silly misremembered words? No, I think we just have this really strange thing as a family that started with my dad. He hides fruit and vegetables around the house for mum to find. I think when my mum found a sort of heritage carrot in the kettle spout was a highlight. Um, (laughs) I suppose it's the language that our family created. When I was particularly low or sad, it is surprising what a... uh, legume at the foot of your bed can do uh, is what I'm gonna say <laughs> thank you to Princess Kindheart and the wise one Karen and Anna Whitehouse thank you too to Tanita Tickram who let us use this amazing song sound design is by Nick Carter at Nick Sonics and digital production by Charlotte Griffiths next week it's broadcaster Nikki Campbell and his sister Esther Cameron we talk about adoption belonging and the steadfast love of a good Labrador Thank you too for listening. Please do rate and review this podcast wherever you found it. Or you know what? You could simply recommend it to your brother or sister. If you want to see some really sweet pictures of Anna and Karen or find out more about the podcast, head to relativelypodcast.com. Safe inside, and your mom's too proud. Your brother's ignoring you. You still feel safe inside. Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time, this didn't do enough for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.